0: Hey, it's Andrea. Today, I freak out about my favorite Star Trek episode ever. John DeLancey really commits to his role. And warning, this episode contains math. Stay tuned.
1: Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Shrice.
0: I'm your co-host, Andrea, and I am so excited. (laughs)
1: This is this is really exciting and also maybe a little sad because I feel like this is going to be the pinnacle of episodes for you. And it's only downhill from here, which is a shame because there are so many great episodes to come, like so many good ones there. And there's another there's another Q episode that is maybe tied for my favorite Q episode with this one.
0: Okay, you know. I agree with you on all of these things. A, I'm very happy and also very sad <laughs> because this is my favorite episode ever. But also, just looking at the lineup of season three alone is like, oh, there's just so many good episodes. So yes. I really can't be bummed. Guys, today we're talking season three, episode 13, Deja Q, written by Richard Dennis and directed by Les Landau. This is my favorite fucking Star Trek TNG episode of all time <laughs> watching it yesterday, Sharice. Mm-hmm. I remember all the places I laughed as a kid when I first saw this episode, and I was laughing right on cue. I was like, ah, 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 ah charming. <laughs> like the whole time. I was so delighted. I was delighted. Anyway, here's the plot of Deja Q. It's star date 43539.1. The Enterprise is called to Braille 4 to help them with their moon that is falling out of orbit and threatening the planet. Much to Captain Picard's displeasure, Q appears in the middle of the attempt to avert the catastrophe, claiming to have been ejected from the Q continuum and stripped of his powers.
1: Oh, so and good.
0: Not only does he show up claiming that, he
1: shows up butt naked, mm-hmm. claiming mm-hmm. that, which mm-hmm. I mean, I guess stripped of power, they really took it literally. I don't know. I don't know what was going on <laughs> they with really, that.
0: Yeah, I was that Why was my only- naked.
1: I had three question marks after that. <laughs> I was like, why, why is well, he-? but what? I guess he always like magic's his outfits. Right. And they took that power from him. So I guess,
0: yeah. well, before we really jump into that, do you have any initial thoughts on this episode? Cherise?
1: Yeah. At, my overall thought on this episode was, I think this is one of the best Q episodes in all of TNG, if not the best. And like I said, a few seconds ago, um, there's another Q episode that I really, really like. So which one uh, is it? It's the one with the Q who wants to die. The Q who wants to die? Yeah. Is that is that TNG or is that Voyager? Maybe it's Voyager. That's Voyager.
0: Okay, there's a, okay. So <laughs> that's like, my wait, other that's Wait.
1: That's my a second. Okay. That's my other favorite Q okay. episode of all time. There's a Q who wants to die, which oh. would like destroy the continuum. And so Q oh. tries to talk the other Q out of right. suicide. And it's like Oh, it's such a good episode. Oh, Oh, wow. I didn't have to watch that. Yeah, we got to do a bonus episode on that episode because that's like tied with this one as my favorite Q episode of ever. So that Ah. being cleared up, This is my favorite TNG Q (laughs) episode.
0: Well, I will say there is another, I think it's season five. It's called um, True Q. And it's about that really adorable little blonde girl who's like there to be like an Mm -hmm. intern. And turns out she's a Q and Q's trying to like take her back to the continuum and she's not having it. That one's also a really, really fun one too. Mm -hmm. Um, But this one is my favorite. My initial thought was just, it is a delight from start to finish. Just all of it. The writing, Mm -hmm. Star Trek doesn't do comedy often and Mm -hmm. if they do they don't do it well usually and Mm -hmm. this is like a complete 180 it's charming it's lovely there's very funny puns Mm -hmm. Q is crabby so he's unleashing his like razor sharp wit it's just delightful Mm -hmm. i love watching it you know what this reminds me of
1: i feel like season three is like the season of do-overs for all the trash episodes we had (laughs) to endure in season one and two (laughs) This is the do-over for that really stupid episode when they had that comedian on the holodeck trying to teach Data comedy. And it was just like, it was just so unfunny. It was painful. Yeah, This is like the do-over for that because this is funny. Like everything Q says, you're like, like everything he says is funny. There's nothing where you're just like, can we just 2X this bad boy? Like there's no moments like
0: that. (laughs) And Cherise, this one has Guinan and Guinan like sticking it to Q for losing his powers literally and figuratively. I mean, mm-hmm. it is a fucking buffet of delights, this episode. Yes. <laughs> All right, so starting off, the the Enterprise is working with the inhabitants of this planet, Braille 4, to avoid having their moon fall out of orbit and cause this planet-wide destruction. I do want to talk about... The Brellians, I'm gonna call them mm-hmm. their clothes and their makeup. Mm-hmm. Oh, so so seamless. So good. And then their body language
1: as well. It mm-hmm. kind of had this like like East Asian overtones with the way that they carried themselves and like held their hands and yes, like kind yes. of bowed as they talked and stuff. And like the makeup was so it was like a fishy makeup. I think, I think Star Trek really crushes it on the fishy makeup, like with the spots and kind of the the little whiskers were kind of like um not quite like fish. Carp. What are those like fish? Yeah. Carp. Catfish. Yeah. 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 Like the, the makeup was so good. The only challenge with the makeup is that because they made the mouth look like a fish mouth, the mm-hmm. actors couldn't actually move their mouths. They couldn't a- articulate their lips. Not and so I'm pretty much, yeah. sure everything they said was dubbed over because you can't make like a P sound if you can't close your lips. <laughs> so, so I was like, yeah, the, the words are saying doesn't totally match with like the motions their lips are trying to make, but like <laughs> I don't think they can actually talk in these costumes. However, yeah. worth it. Totally worth it. Because the costumes look so
0: good. The costumes were killer. Just all of the like folding of the fabric mm. and all of that, like the pleats and everything. Oh, so Ooh, killer. The set
1: behind them and the, stu- yes. and the science station that was all green. Mm. And it totally reminded me of the Matrix because it had these like green kind of strings of code or yes. lights or who knows what.
0: It looked awesome. It was, it was amazing. I love it. Okay. So I have this like complete nerd spiral listeners, a warning. I got out paper and pencil and calculators and I did some math. Okay. (laughs) Because this is a math warning. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to have to be your stinger from now on. It's like (laughs) er, er, math warning. It'll be a red alert. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. Jordy is talking to Picard and also on comms, I guess, with the people on Braille 4 at the same time. And they're kind of talking about ways that they could try to keep this moon from falling out of orbit, crashing into the planet, and like basically just like destroying the whole planet and killing everybody in there. Mm-hmm. And Jordi's talking about how they have to adjust the Delta V of the planet. And I was like, oh, he's talking Delta V, which for those who maybe haven't taken a ton of physics, Delta V is a change in velocity. And he said that they'd have to apply a change, a Delta V of four kilometers per second to change the trajectory of the moon. Four kilometers per second is roughly eight thousand nine hundred miles per hour. So that's a thing. Mm. And he said that this would be taxing the impulse engines by over 47%. He's like, would be overreaching by over 47%. So mm-hmm. I did the math on that, which means that if 8,900 miles per hour is 47% above what the impulse engines could really do. That means the full impulse, like speed equals roughly 6,500 miles per hour.
1: Hey, now we know the answer to that. Yeah, you guys, <laughs> fucking math. Okay. <laughs> and, and that that journal that I got you with the captain's log, it also yes. has a conversion for warp, right? Like whatever yes, the heck it warp does speed is for each of the numbers.
0: Yes. Okay. That's fun. So Sharice and I um are friends beyond this podcast. This is how we became (laughs) podcast hosts because we've been friends for a billion years. So we have been sending each other every now and again, just like, Hey, thanks for being a kick-ass co-host, like little gifts to each other. And Mm -hmm. she sent me a captain's log like journal and it has a space for a star date and everything. And it's got supplemental log space, which I was like, Oh, and then on the back, you know how sometimes like little notebooks might have like kitchen conversions like a pinch mm-hmm. is roughly this many you know like one eighth of a teaspoon or whatever it had like warp conversions as well which was so rad <laughs> so much so cool it also had quotes from every captain mm-hmm. like
1: one quote from every captain mm-hmm. and one of the the quote from Picard we had like literally just done that episode like this when Andrea week I got the log and it was like <laughs> yeah hey we know that quote yep. yeah that was oh that was so fun anyway it was super so, cool thanks for the math alert Yeah, Um, that's my nerd spiral. (laughs) Now we know how fast impulse is, which we did not know before. And I'm sure it changes as the episodes
0: change and the seasons change. Like they mix up whatever that is. Well, in this episode, full impulse equals roughly 6,500 miles per hour, which when I told my husband, I was like, that's amazing. He was like, that's a lot slower than I thought. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he pointed out that from where we are now in California to New York is roughly 3,000 miles. So it takes about a half hour to like cross all of the United States, which you're right is slower than I thought, but Hey, 6,500 miles per hour sounds fucking fast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm just going to choose to ignore that last little tidbit. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just going to go right to like, ah. yeah, (laughs) Here's,
1: here's the thing about them having to move this moon that I thought was really fascinating. So we, we have no cause for why this moon is suddenly falling out of orbit. Mm-hmm. There's no reason there's no explanation. And suddenly it's just falling out of orbit and it's going to crash. And when they talk about where it's going to crash and the kind of the square footage of area that it's going to affect mm-hmm. the, the Brailleans um, are just kind of like, um, that is, that's insignificant. Like that amount of land doesn't matter at all. But they said, what, What does matter is with that moon crashing, we're going to have crazy tidal waves and earthquakes and tsunamis. Mm. And like the the ground is going to be shaken from underneath us. Everything's going to crumble. And the like
0: dinosaur dust cloud that like blocks out the sun. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the sun's going to be blocked off, which is going to reduce the temperature on the planet, which is going to create another ice age. And I was like, oh yeah, this is really bad. Like at first when they were just like, oh yeah. When they were like, when it crashes there, we don't even care. That's going to barely put a little dent in, you know, the desert. We don't care. And I was like, huh, that's interesting because I feel like things crashing is always a bad thing. And then yep. when they said all the other stuff, I was like, oh, that's
0: yeah. why it's a bad thing. Cherise, there are implications. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh-huh. Implications are what. Yeah, I was like, "Uh oh, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: And then and then they're ta- so and then Picard's kind of talking to Geordi, like, what can we do? And Geordi's like, well. We can do X, Y, Z, you know, the stuff that you just said, science, we can science it.
0: We can delta not this bad boy.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then he says, he says, um, but that would be, you know, and, and Picard's like, can we just use like a tractor beam whatever? And he's like, yeah, but that would be like an ant trying to push a tricycle. Like mm-hmm. there's a slim chance. And I was like, um, question since when is an ant pushing a tricycle any chance at all? Yeah. Like, there, that's like Number not two, a slim chance. That's do not, you all even have tricycles anymore? I don't. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> these are the things we want to know. <laughs> Do either of these items exist yeah. on the enterprise? Yeah, whatever. That's a great analogy for, you know, if those things exist on earth <laughs> sure. But I was like, that seems like no chance at all. That wasn't like, you know, a five-year-old pushing a tricycle. It was like an ant. I was like, that's mm-hmm. like trying to build the Grand Canyon with a grape. There's no chance. <laughs> there's no chance It's not. A but
0: Sharice sli- no it's a slim chance so you're saying there's a chance <laughs> I'm saying
1: there's no, no captain what I'm saying chance. is there's none,
0: there's, none. <laughs> there's no chance captain he's like great get on those plans was right like, he's like did I mention that it's an ant pushing a <laughs> tricycle up a hill and the tricycle is slowly squashing the <laughs> ant as it rolls backwards <laughs> it's
1: not, not really working which again would not be that slow it would just smash no. it and we'd be like, yeah,
0: yeah, that we really never
1: yeah. see a chance. Who, on that
0: one. who had the bright idea of putting this ant behind a tricycle? Anyway, we are spending way too much time on this analogy. So okay. much, so much editing to
1: be done on this episode.
0: <laughs> okay, but as as they're attempting, they've got this first attempt underway to move the moon. We start hearing this very piercing sound, and it gets louder and louder and more piercing every second. And then all of a sudden, whammo, Q appears. Floating in midair and completely naked. Why is he naked? I don't know, but I, I do know. have a behind the scenes. The production crew gave John Delancey, who plays Q to perfection, like a little cover-up-y, g stringy kind of thing. Uh-huh. And he was supposed to be kind of like lying on this like plank of wood that was blocked by Picard, you know, because we see Picard from behind. Mm-hmm. But John DeLancey is Juilliard trained and wasn't having it. So he shot that in front of that whole crew completely <gasps> naked. No, you're kidding me. Completely naked. He that was did so not- unnecessary. We didn't see so his more un- half. unnecessary,
1: man. We did we didn't even see his feet? Poor, we just saw like his back and his poor chest. Patrick
0: Stewart just got a face full of cue. And I mean, let me not tell just you Patrick
1: Stewart, everyone on the bridge and poor, everyone in the crew of that was actually <laughs> filming the
0: episode was like, buddy, I was like, I'll be holding the turbo lift doors closed. I don't need to see that. <laughs> I'll be on the other side. It's okay. So as it turns out, he didn't really tell anyone he was going to do it, so he just showed up in his bathrobe on set and then dropped the robe. And some of the writers were saying, like, it caused quite a stir behind the scenes <laughs> when they were ready to shoot. So John Delancey, <laughs> props to you for not having any hangups. I wouldn't have anything to do with that. Yeah, I'd be like, can I get more, and more covers up? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, but he just he just went out there and did the damn thing for no reason whatsoever. But anyway, there you have it. He didn't know what the end shot was going
1: to look like. He he didn't know that that was totally unnecessary.
0: (laughs) Completely unnecessary. But so Q appears and then drops to the ground and then goes red alert. And you're like, oh, it's a Q episode. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, And then the next thing we see, Picard and company you know, are like kind of pacing around Q and Q has had time to put on a green and gray jumpsuit and he goes, these aren't my colors, which I thought was so petulant. It's so lovely. With the biggest (laughs) pout you've ever seen.
1: And he's just so upset that they didn't give him the captain's uniform, forgetting that he's not a captain or part of Starfleet (laughs) at all. None of that matters to him. Yeah. (laughs) But that, and that outfit they gave him, that's like, I guess our picture of, you know, starship casual, which we rarely see because everyone's on duty all the time. All the so time. we usually just see them in the typical uniforms. And I thought this outfit was
0: really cool. Like, we should see this more often on the show. Yes. It just seemed like civilian downtime It clothes. seemed perfect. It fit. Yeah. There was nothing
1: weird about it. It wasn't a big oversized sweater that they used to put Wesley in all the time. Oh, poor Brad Wesley just, like, You know, those, like, Goodwill sweater finds that he was always <laughs> wearing. And you're like, do they have a problem with, like, fitting? In the 24th century. Yeah, because their uniforms are so skin tight, right? Yes. But it's not like that. Like, there's nothing about it that's weird or off. It does look futuristic, but it looks cool and it looks Mm -hmm. very fashionable, Mm -hmm. even though you're talking about future fashions that don't exist. So, you know, kudos to the design staff for everything.
0: Yes. Well, and I got to tell you, when you have men in one piece jumpsuits, there tends to be a problem with fitting the groin, it ends up being too tight, and then you can Mm -hmm. see everything this was not a problem. Like, they did the fittings and the tailoring to perfection. Like, there wasn't any awkward, like, oh, dear God, why am I seeing everything, like, through mm-hmm. your clothes? Mm-hmm. It was perfect. So Q claims to have been stripped by all of his powers and ejected from the Q continuum as, a as like, a punishment for spreading chaos among the galaxies. Um, and I love that Q is, like, just a Loki. He is such a, like, mischievous omnipotent thing but he never creates like he doesn't go around like killing he just is he's loki he's just like mischievous and gets under everybody's skin Mm -hmm. um and q says in the fraction of a second that he was given to like think about where he wanted to be dropped off because they're like we're gonna just drop you off somewhere he chose to be made into a mortal human and be dropped off aboard the enterprise and he says he says that Picard is quote, the closest thing I have to it. You are the closest thing I have to a friend, Jean-Luc and Charisse. the famous Picard face palm mm-hmm. is this episode. Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't know it was this episode. I was like, this I was didn't a- either win. I didn't either. And also the like mariachi band at the end, that famous like GIF and me yeah. was this episode as well. I was like, man, this episode's just like, it's It's
0: got some staying power. It's the gift <laughs> that keeps on giving. I tell you. <laughs> I was like, it's my favorite episode and Q and the face palm and the mariachi band. Like, there is nothing bad to say about this episode. Um, and then Q says, like, you know, he's
1: trying to convince them that he's no longer a Q. And he goes, what must I do to convince you people? And Worf says, die. And I was like, <laughs> that's hilarious because it's true. Right. That's like <laughs> the only thing you could do that could convince them. But I don't know if that yep. works for you. Right. <laughs> And then Q, Q's just like, oh, very funny. Eat any nice books lately? And you're yeah. just like, <laughs> such a little snot, right? Even when somebody gets gets him in a good one, he still has a good comeback for that. Yeah,
0: eat any good books lately? I do love that. I love it. And 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 at one point, you know, Q, they they're like, listen, Q, this moon degrading orbit thing came out of nowhere This must be you and he's like I have I don't know what you're talking about I've got bigger fish to fry than this fucking moon problem like I don't have any powers I'm mortal and Picard says hey Worf throw him in the brig then and I was like wonderful mm-hmm. wonderful and then here we have this Q and Worf back and forth which was so great <clears throat> and I did because this- if we remember Q and Worf had some beef
1: back in season one mm-hmm. now that I'm thinking about it Q and Worf and Q and Tasha Yar, because Worf and Yar were kind of like interchangeable. The in same, one. yeah. And like he had he had beef with them and he kept like just messing with the two of them specifically. So now it's like a chance for him to be like, just kidding with all that stuff I said and did before. We're friends. <laughs> yeah. Just like, mm, yeah. I don't think Worf's falling yep. for this.
0: Worf is super not falling for it. And in the turbo lift, Q starts to describe the pitfalls that will face him as a mortal human. And I found the script and I like looked at it and I was like, God, just looking at the script alone, John DeLancey is just incredible in this performance as Q like realizing, like he says, I'd be forced to cover myself with fabric because of some outdated human morality to say nothing of being too hot or too cold, growing feeble with age, losing my hair, catching a disease, being ticklish, sneezing, having an itch, a pimple, bad breath having to bathe, like he's realizing all of these Mm -hmm. things. And his face is just contorting in this like, oh, you know, and I thought, Mm -hmm. what incredible acting, incredible acting by John Delancey. It is so good. And at some, this is just some peak comedy writing. When Worf says, be quiet or disappear back where you came from. And Q says, I can't disappear any more than you could win a beauty contest, <laughs> which is just so delightful.
1: <laughs> I'm like a 10 year old all over again. <laughs> and I think it's, gosh, I think it was before this or maybe it was after it. I don't remember exactly the the order, but where he was trying to convince Worf that they're like buddies. Right. And he's like, Klingon. I should have been a Klingon. You know, yes. I kind of like a Klingon. I'm really a Klingon on the inside, right? He's all this stuff, and then he's just like, "Oh, it was right before this." And then he's just like, "Never mind. I hate Klingons. Klingons are stupid." Yeah, and you're just like, "Oh gosh!" Like
0: <laughs> he couldn't even maintain that ruse. No, he couldn't. He couldn't. And and when Worf puts him in his place, Q says, "Please don't be, feel compelled now to tell me the story of the boy who cried Worf." <laughs> i laughed as a kid and i laughed yesterday while i watched it again and i thought it was great and i love that the worst insult that q could level at wharf is romulan (laughs) it's like well he has a good understanding of like geopolitical
1: yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah because wharf does pause and then keep walking like i'm not even going to respond to that Mm -hmm. and then q is like Should have been a Romulan. (laughs) 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 Yes.
0: (laughs) I love how much he's like regretting and second guessing himself already. Mm -hmm. And it's only been like a minute into his stay. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So meanwhile, the Enterprise is trying to like sort out what's going on with this moon. And suddenly the ship is washed in this white light. And it seems like they're being probed. Mm -hmm. And the white light ends up like concentrating on Q who appears to be like either asleep or unconscious in the brig seems like probably asleep Mm -hmm. and it focuses on him. And then it's like, bum, 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 you know, so now Mm -hmm. we know something else is happening. Um, And then Picard comes to visit Q and he's like, look, I don't know what your game is, but we've got like millions of lives that we're trying to save here. So, be mortal or pretend to be more or whatever the fuck like get on with your game because we've got like bigger things to do Mm -hmm. and q's like i have infinite knowledge of the universe i could help you and picard really can't afford to not take that advantage what would you do Mm -hmm. in that situation
1: i would have done exactly what picard did like i think in that situation where the moon's about to crash like very shortly Mm -hmm. and all these people are going to die I would also believe that Q is faking because he is a trickster and he always lies. So I would think he was faking. I would also want him to kind of come clean. But even if he's not faking, I agree that Picard couldn't afford to ignore his, his knowledge Mm -hmm. and that that could be of some help. And I also agreed with later on him and Riker were kind of talking about like, you know, we're just going to drop him off at the nearest star base and keep it moving. And Mm. I also agreed with that. I was like, yep, get his help (laughs) for this situation. Once the situation's under control find the nearest star base and say, have a good life.
0: Yeah. And then get them out of there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, what about I'm, you? I'm so with, I'm so with you on that. I think I would do exactly the same where it's like, look, I can't afford. To keep you in the brig. That, yes. Mm-hmm. On the chance that like you, are just messing with us. Like if you're going to mess with us, you're an omnipotent being. You can mess with us, whether I want you to or allow you to or not. Mm -hmm. But if you're really offering to help, then come and help because Mm -hmm. we don't really have a lot of choices. We're down to an ant pushing a fucking tricycle up a hill. Okay. (laughs) So we're down to not a slim chance, but no chance. No chance. Um, And I do like that Picard assigns commander data to keep watch over Q because this further, at least for me reinforces that data is the perfect neutral listener That Mm -hmm. appeals to like many an outsider. It's kind of like the defector all over again. It is. And that's because Data has no hangups.
1: Like he doesn't have these prejudices. He doesn't have bad blood. Even people who we'll see in a future episode, um, even people who treat Data like crap, and we've seen Mm -hmm. in past episodes, he's just kind of like, okay, like it doesn't phase him because he doesn't have emotions. So he can't be offended or upset or irritated or all these things. So he's a really good go-between. Um, because he doesn't have any of that baggage. And this was really fun for me to watch because I was like, oh, wow, Data's teaching Q about humanity. And Data says this great line where he says, it's ironic that you've achieved in disgrace what I've always aspired to be, Mm -hmm. right? That Q has been like taken down a peg and turned into a human. And all Data's ever wanted to be was human. Yeah. And then for the rest of the episode, Q tries to convince Data that being a human sucks. (laughs) And Data's not falling for it, right? He's He's like, still, he still wants that because he says, "Yeah, I have all the curiosity of a human. I have that need to explore, but I don't have any of the emotions, like the Mm -hmm. satisfaction you get from exploring. Yeah. And I had never thought of that before as big of a data fan as I am. And I was just like, Oh, that sucks. Like it was a little heartbreaking, right? Yeah. It's like an itch. You can never scratch that really sucks.
0: Yeah. That made me, that made me sad for data but then also it reminded me to not be sad for him because he can't feel the emotion of sadness, but I felt sorry for him. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, um, well, Data ends up taking Q to main engineering and Data and Jody are working for, on a solution to move the moon's trajectory. And <clears throat> Q is being very like, ugh, ugh, like, why do I even have to do this work? Which reminds <laughs> me so much of my students. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I thought that there was this very interesting explanation as to why the moon is suddenly falling out of orbit. And he says that it's obviously some celestial body passing too close to the moon at a right angle, probably a black hole or something. And I was like, ooh, this is kind of a neat, like, ooh, now we have an understanding a little bit better as to, like, why this is suddenly happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but of and course- now it could maybe not be Q. If it was
1: some, you know, with this explanation, you're like, oh, that actually could maybe be a thing, right? It's not just you messing around.
0: Yes. Because without a prior explanation, it's like uh, a moon all of a sudden starts falling out of orbit and it's got like two cycles before it crashes into the plane. No, like that's, that's a cue thing. But yeah, this is like, oh, okay, now we've got something else going on. And while they're figuring this out, Um, Q hurts his back. (laughs) He suffers his first ever like back spasm Mm -hmm. and Dr. Crusher comes to his aid and her bedside manner leaves much to be desired. Granted it's Q and And that's exactly why. And she doesn't believe him either. She's just like, Oh, back pain,
1: huh? Like doesn't believe him either. And she's like, Uh huh? "Huh, If I didn't see it in this tricorder, I would not believe it. You know, if I did not see it with my own eyes, I would not believe it. So pretty much everyone is giving him the side eye. Yes. For Data. And, ex- and actually, except
0: for Jordy too, because Jordy's like, doesn't have the bandwidth to yeah, even I don't have time to be dealing that. with you. Yeah. Being here, whatever. I've got bigger things to worry about, but I do think it's funny that there apparently is at least one medical treatment that hurts because it doesn't seem like a needle, but Dr. Crusher is like wear, 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 with this thing She's like and massaging he's like
1: massaging him. She's like yeah. massaging out the knots. And I was like, um, no hypospray. Don't you have a hypospray that just relaxes the muscles so they stop spasming? I why mean, would these you need days to do we this? can take
0: a leave, but whatever. But she like, like can do it now. Him. And you
1: yeah. could have taken, you know, an aspirin back when this was filmed in 1990. Yeah. So I was like, what? But then I thought to myself, why, of course there's a hypospray, but she's going to choose manual
0: therapy because yep. it's Q. Because it's Q, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then Q's like, ow, I think. Huh. And It turns out. He's hungry, so they had to tend forward. Well, before that, before that, he does offer some help to Jordy about how
1: to move the moon because they're like, "What do you know? How can oh, we yes. help us?" And he goes, "Well, the answer is obvious. You just need to change the gravitational constant of the universe." Of course. And Jordy's like, "What?" And he's like, "I said change the gravitational constant of the universe." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "And how do you propose we do that?" And Q's like, "I don't know. You just do it because as a Q, you just do it." And then I love, and, you know, Jordy kind of storms off in a huff because he's like, this is ridiculous. And I actually can run some calculations on whatever I'm going to do. And data so calmly just explains to him. Well, I think what Jordy's trying to say, Q, is that doing that is beyond our capabilities. And I just, I just love that, how he described it. Like, (laughs) yeah, changing the gravitational constant of the universe is beyond our capabilities. And Q's like, that's a, that's unfortunate, Then I don't know what you're going to do.
0: You're like, yeah, not that helpful. Not because well, we thought you'd be cute. Luckily, Jordy's like I can extend a warp like bubble, like a subspace bubble around the moon, and then we can kind of change like its mass the or gravitational I- constant of the moon. Yeah. Yes. So and then he's up- like, "You're welcome." Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tend forward if anybody needs me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> leaving poor Jordy to have to figure this out. So Which they clearly had... he was doing anyways. So yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Jordy's Where's like, are, Wesley? You still he- are you still here? Yeah. Where is Wesley? He's not in this at all. Uh, he's probably at like six flags that day or something. Who knows? Anyway. So data ends up telling Q that he's like, I don't know what I'm hungry for. So data's like, I've seen people make choices with their food that like can impact them psychologically. For instance, when counselor Troy, um, is feeling stressed, like she'll eat chocolate, like a chocolate sundae. And I do love that Q's like, I'll have 10 chocolate sundaes. And Data's like, wow, I've never seen anybody eat 10 chocolate sundaes. To which Q replies, I'm having a really bad day. I thought, can't we all relate to that? It's so hard. Yes.
1: And I had a chocolate sundae yesterday and it was delicious. Did you? I did. And now I'm realizing why I even wanted a chocolate sundae was because of this episode. Because I think the last time I had a chocolate sundae was like three years ago.
0: Um, so you know, can I say, I don't think I've ever had a chocolate sundae in my life. Well, you don't like chocolate ice cream. So yeah. Chocolate ice cream. Isn't really my thing. Really make a
1: whole lot of sense for you to have one. Can I those? get like a
0: vanilla sundae, like a strawberry sundae? I don't you know. Whatever we
1: can. Yeah. We Come in all the flavors. <laughs> so when he asked for 10, the like bartender waitress person is like mm-hmm. 10. And then she goes and gets the 10. And I was like, um, you have the right to say No. I'll give you one and after you finish that, I'll give you one more and we can keep yeah. going. Yeah. You don't have to actually get him 10.
0: But they did. This is this is food <laughs> service 101, especially with alcohol. If somebody goes in and orders five shots of something, you're like, Let me get you two. And if you finish those two and you still seem okay. I'll get you one more and then that's it. <laughs>
1: I'm not gonna get yes. you five. Yeah. This is what should have happened, I think, yeah. because yeah. clearly Q has no self-control. No. Uh, but he orders 10 and they they actually look really beautiful when they show up. They
0: really do. Um, but then Sharice, our queen, Guinan, comes in and is like, Oh, I've heard you've been drummed out of the continuum. Like she is just living for this moment. Like she doesn't need mm-hmm. the tiger claw thing, mm-hmm. you know, that, that she did against Q, like a number of episodes back. Like mm-hmm. she was like, Ooh. Yeah. and Q
1: sees her coming from a distance. And he's like, I have not been looking forward to this moment because he knew when he decided to make the enterprise, his home that he was going to run into Guinan. Mm-hmm. And so now he kind of has to eat all of his words that he's ever all said to her it. over the past hundreds of years. <laughs> And she's like, "Oh yeah," and it was Absolutely. a delight to watch. all of it.
0: It was, and data kind of informs her. Like Q claims to be mortal, but we're still not sure. Patent pending, kind of thing. Like we still have mm-hmm. to see. And she gets this crazy fucking looking fork that I want to know, like who made that? Mm-hmm. Was and where there can some I get designer? one? Designer. Mm -hmm. In, like, Sweden, making hyper-futuristic forks. It does feel a little Ikea. Mm -hmm. It does. It feels very 90s Ikea, where everything was, like, Mm ultra-modern. She stabs him in the hand, and she's like, seems mortal enough to me when he, like, cries out in pain. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love that she is there to witness that ball of light comes back into the Enterprise and focuses on Q, And he like can't shake this. And eventually, you know, Geordi identifies um, that he's able to like modulate the shield harmonics to block this like tachyon field of of, like light. Mm -hmm. And Guinan is like, ah, the calamarine, like they're coming for you, Q. And as soon as he falls over, you know, like Geordi has saved the day with the modulating shields and Mm -hmm. basically block the calamarine. Q falls over and he's like, help me, help me. And I love that Guinan is there to have her just desserts where she's like, how the mighty have fallen. It's mm-hmm. like, you knew she went right from there to her little office and wrote all this down in her diary and made like a, <laughs> a log immediately because totally she wanted to relive entry. the shit out of this. Yeah, <laughs> Wouldn't you, after the queue had been tormenting your people for eons?
1: Yeah. And the, and the queue or, res- and this queue specifically was responsible for all of her family members being destroyed by the Borg. So it's like, oh, there's Jesus, no, I forgot there's no love lost between them. Yeah. So she's kind of like, she just, she walks up and the way that the camera angle is the camera's down on the floor with Q mm-hmm. and it's looking up and you just see, you see Guinan looking down on him. Just like, mm. no sympathy. Couldn't care less. Mm-hmm. And then you see data who's all worried.
0: <laughs> yeah. Even though he has like, no
1: emotions. He's like, oh, and the head nods. Yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, oh, he, he was covered in light and then he fell down this probably isn't good. What I loved about (laughs) the Calamarain. He was covered in light and then he fell down. (laughs) I mean, that's what he saw, right? He saw him like covered in light and now he's on the ground and he's going to help. You're like, okay. Um, what I love about the calamarine, this is one of the things you and I talk about quite a bit on this show is the fact that extraterrestrial life, if it does exist, will not look like a humanoid, humanoid. Yeah. But Oftentimes in movies and TV, it looks like that because we have to use human actors. So they've got to have two, two arms, two legs, two eyes, you know, because that we have to put a human person in that costume or else we have to use CGI or some other kind of techniques to create some non-human looking creature. And Mm. then that oftentimes is an epic fail and turns out really bad. And then we just go back to a human creature, but I have to say they crushed it with this, this like Aurora Borealis type swirling cloud of light. I was like, yes. that is a dope idea for an extraterrestrial. Just like a ball of light.
0: Yes, I absolutely loved it. <clears throat> I thought the calamarine were really, really beautiful. Um, and it did have this like absolutely beautiful, like swirly light. Um, I did look up how they actually made the calamarin. Um, It was created using like some sophisticated laser rig um that they had to like rent just for like one day um for production but i thought that that was kind of neat that's like oh you guys had to like you couldn't just put some like glitter in in like a jar of water and swirl mm-hmm. it around like this was actually like way way more sophisticated than that um yeah. so i thought that was kind of cool
1: and they said it was the are made of swirls of ionized gas
0: mm-hmm. what how it's just cool. cool is that it's just cool. cool how cool is that i know i love that so now, though, by this part of the episode, we and the Enterprise crew are starting to piece together that Q purposely chose the Enterprise as his home to protect him, f- knowing that other life forms were going to come after him as soon as he became mortal. He has like the Calamarians, yeah, like Gynon, yep. like
1: so many other creatures and organisms, like the all of them. Second,
0: the word came out that Q was mortal and vulnerable. He. Was not safe anymore, and so mm-hmm. he specifically chose the Enterprise to protect him. Which I was like, "Damn, that was really calculating." And of course mm-hmm. it was because you're Q, you mm-hmm. know. Um, But and he wasn't course, wrong because yeah. of course you know Picard,
1: you know, and he said that he was like, "You humans are weak. You always take care of people who are in distress." That's why I knew you would. Yeah, and you're just like, ooh, they hit you where it hurts, Picard. What are yeah. you going to do? Are you going to be and like anyone? Asking he was asylum, right he w- I mean, they just did that in the defector, right. A Romulan asked for asylum and they're like, okay, like pretty much anyone could ask for <laughs> asylum. And they're like, all right, because that's yeah. like the, that's like the rule next to the prime directive. The other rule that they actually don't break all the time is when anyone asks for asylum, they always say yes. Yeah. So I was like, Ooh, are they going to say it this time? Cause I feel like this should be an exception to that rule. Yeah. Yeah. Because And they said it later on when they were talking to him in the observation lounge, they were like, we cannot spend the rest of our lives defending you against every creature in the galaxy.
0: And Riker's like, I didn't sign up for that mission. That was such a good point. Such a good point. And Hurt is like, you're right. Yeah. None of us signed up for this, like for Q babysitting duty. Like, there's no way. So, as soon as this mission is over, we'll drop you off and we'll be on our way. And good luck to you, buddy. (laughs) You know, with a little thumbs Mm -hmm. up as we float away. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, that was very calculating of Q to put himself there. But he can be of some service because the Enterprise keeps trying to solve this, like, Braille moon issue. Mm -hmm. And this was my one bone to pick with this episode. Geordi says, we can try again in the next moon cycle when the moon reaches its perigee. For those who are not super familiar, perigee is the point in the orbit of the moon at which it is closest to the planet. So an orbit, moon's rarely, if ever, orbit in a perfectly circular pattern, right? It's Mm -hmm. more of an oval. So sometimes you're closer, sometimes you're farther. So when the moon is closest to the planet, that's perigee. When it's farthest away, that's apogee. So we know that, okay, they're going to try again. When the moon reaches, it's perigee the bone I have to pick is at the end of this episode, they show a little diagram of the moon and it's in a perfectly circular orbit around the planet Braille four. And I was like, you lied to us. You said there was perigee and there is none. (laughs) Well, but they did say that Q restored the moon
1: to its original orbit or a T or something like that. So maybe because maybe it did have some kind of circular motion originally before the black hole passed and knocked it out. And then it started doing this wonky mm. shape, right? Because the reason why, like, I don't know why they waited to perigee because that's kind of like the worst idea because now it's closer to the planet. Yeah, you, crash. yeah.
0: what you guys really want to wait for is apogee. Yeah, wait till it's farthest away <laughs> and, and, then then push it, and then push <laughs> yeah. it. With the,
1: yeah, so maybe <laughs> that
0: was the mistake. But like the fact
1: that the black hole knocked it off of its normal orbit, to me mm-hmm. makes sense that now it's going in this wonky like oval. That's mm. not even like a, a symmetrical oval, Right. It's this wonky shape because it's coming closer and closer and closer to the planet. So it's not like, yeah, you know what I mean, but yeah. yeah, even more of a reason for them to push it when it's really far away. Cause it would be further yeah. and further and further yeah. away. Is, as well. yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: Don't wait until like it's the creme brulee is right in front of my face to fire that sugar. Okay. Wait until it's like way far away. Cause I don't want to catch on fire. That's all mm-hmm. I'm saying. <laughs> so creme brulee and moons. Let's wait till apogee. Same thing. Same thing. Yep. Um, all right. Well, so Q joins the engineering team and he's trying to engage the tractor beam to alter the moon's orbit. And man, is he being a stick in the mud? And he's like, <laughs> all right, people, this is what we're going to do. And he comes in clapping and Jordy's like, Q. Get at the controls or get the hell out of here. And I was like, yes, this is finally like the strength that Jordy uh, needs. And I love, I love seeing Jordy like
1: this. I love, love seeing Jordy like this because he's such a nice guy Mm -hmm. that you never see him really take charge in a harsh way. Which is, which is awesome. Actually, that's not his style. He's not like a, he's not a Riker, right? He doesn't come in like, all right, people. Um, which I think Riker's lovely as well, but he doesn't come in strong. He always comes in kind of like. I'm in charge, people listen to me, people respect me. This is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But here, Q is coming in, like, all right, I'm the boss. And Jordy's not having any of that. And I love how he puts him in his place. And then, you know, Q is like, how dare he? And turns to Data, like, um, who does he think he is? And I love how Data's just like, he thinks he's in command here. And he's right. And he's like, oh. <laughs> I was just like, I love that. Data was he the perfect.
0: He Data was the perfect person to tell that to Q because Mm -hmm. he said it with no malice or spite or attitude because he doesn't have any of those things. Mm -hmm. He just stated the facts. And I am a fact-based person. And I was like, facts, like I was (laughs) snapping. I was so happy that somebody was like, listen, Q, you're not the big shit here. Jordy's the big shit. And you're Mm going to listen to Jordy, or you could leave. And that was wonderful.
1: So, and I love, (laughs) and later on, he's like doing something really annoying Talking to Jordy about something, and Jordy just like looks at him and then just goes Data, and yep. walks away. Yeah, and Data's like, Q, I I would recommend, I would highly suggest I that you strongly, change your attitude. Yes, like I strongly that.
0: suggest you comply or something like that." And it was like, "Yeah, because like, you're Ooh. out of here, otherwise." And your yeah, back I was, was like,
1: "I love how Jordy was just like Data, handle my lightweight. I'm not even talking to him right now."
0: <laughs> I need you to take care of this. I'm you know trying why? to stop this moon from crashing. Jordy didn't have the time to deal with it because he waited till fucking perigee to try to move this moon. If he wanted waiting until apogee, that would have been plenty of time. But That's whatever. Fair. I digress. I digress. <laughs> I digress much like the moon's orbit. I am digressing. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> this is why we have a podcast because I am so nerdy. <laughs> I digress like the moon. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so um, yeah, no, I really need to be in like stellar cartography. That's that's my field right there. Anyway, all right, so they have to lower the shields for some unknown reason, to makes effect- no sense. I was so like what? again, Ugh. again, the sh- okay. No, I you wish don't. that the writers no, you don't. I wish the writers would just iron out the kinks <laughs> and the shield issues. That's what I wish they would do. Just sit down, have yourself a little meeting and figure out what the fucking rules are because mm-hmm. the shields are up, but you can beam through. But then later you're like, we can't beam through because the shields are up. Wait, beam him up. Like, Wait a minute. What? And then now you have to yes. lower shields to try you to have uh-huh.
1: never needed to lower shields to use a tractor beam. Those two things have nothing to do with one another They're mutually exclusive. So whatever. Anyway. Yeah. I did write that in my notes. I was like, what? Well, okay. It allows the Calmarine (laughs) to get in. So we're like, all right, we're going to lower our shields and hope Q doesn't die. I guess most importantly, let's take care of this moon.
0: Yeah, really? So Q is now being attacked by the Calmarine because they wait for their moment to strike and they do. And he's being lifted up by the Calmarine, which I didn't know light could lift you. Where, where, where were they trying to take him? Because I think they're going to beam him through something because
1: data, data snacked, snatched, uh, snatched him before he could like keep going I well, don't know because they can like, through go through the bulkhead they can go through so oh, maybe, I don't know maybe if they what. wrap him in their in their light. yeah they and they can... had they had wrapped him in their light so I don't mm. know but it doesn't really matter because their end goal was to kill him so whether yes. they left him or took him whether they just squeezed the life out of him if, right there in just zap him? yeah well, they had many many zap him. flavors yeah. but maybe they want to torture him first I really don't know what they were thinking Probably. but I was thinking because the way they kept hitting the ship Like how the calamarine were hitting the ship. I was like, are they going to crash the ship just to kill Q? Because that sucks.
0: That sucks. But again, this is a different, a completely different alien race. They may not have the same like value of life that. Or it may be worth it just to get Q.
1: It
0: might be. It might be. But yeah, so Dana jumps in to save Q, basically costing himself some major health points. Mm -hmm. And you know, they're trying to, like, get Q back to, not Q, they're trying to get Data back together, you know, in sickbay. And Q really realizes that he would not have done the same for Data. Mm-hmm. And Captain anybody, is like, really. I don't have time for your, like, self-aggrandizing and, like, self-pitying bullshit. Like, again, millions of lives at stake. Take your pity party somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And this is a real turning point for Q because the more he learns about humanity, he realizes that he is not remotely cut out for it. At Mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. Um, And as the sort of last gesture, he tells data who at this point, like is awake, but he still can't speak yet because they haven't got that all sorted out that he's like, you're a better human than I will ever be. And I was like, that's kind of a nice thing to say. You didn't Mm -hmm. have to say that. I mean, it's definitely Mm self-pitying, but you know, he gave data little points. And that's
1: really satisfying to see Q change, even though he changed like in a microscopic, you know, three centimeters to the left sort of a way. It's really nice to see that change because the whole time since we've seen Q from the first episode of all of TNG, he's always thought he was better than humans and he knew better than them and acted better than them. And they were so beneath him. And when he picked them, like one of the things he said, aside from saying he should have been a Klingon, he should have been a Romulan Was he should have been some kind of like worm or bug or something like that. Mm -hmm. That would have been better. And now he's realizing like, oh, humanity is a lot more than I thought. It's more complicated. There's more needs. There's more challenges. There's this whole interpersonal self-sacrifice thing that I'm not familiar with. And I am, yeah, I'm totally not cut out for this. So that was really satisfying to see him be humbled, even if only one degree of humility had entered into his being.
0: Absolutely. This is A little bit like that ant and the tricycle thing where it's like, it's Mm -hmm. nothing, but it's something for Q. It's a big, big leap for Q. Mm -hmm. Um, It would have been nothing for anybody else. But I think it is satisfying to see that little change. Um, And before we know it, Q has taken a shuttle and decides to leave the Enterprise and basically surrender himself to the Calamaran to save the Enterprise and to prevent himself from dying of boredom and disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the Enterprise tries to get the shuttlecraft back by extending shields and tractor beams and beaming I out. actually really love, I really love that. A couple of things I loved about this
1: when, when Picard, um, like hailed the shuttle, I loved the background set yes. that he was in front of. And I was like, again, we've come so far from season one of just having a big white screen and a super yeah. close up up somebody's nose. Here we're seeing like a 3d <laughs> set with like buttons and panels and like, space space behind them i thought that was beautiful
0: and nary a christmas light to be seen because remember when jake (laughs) stole the effing shuttle and tried to like escape to join the space circus it was just like string lights behind him and i was like man you all were working on a shoestring this week weren't you like
1: (laughs) those because those christmas lights cost like a dollar 99 yes they did that is hilarious (laughs) yeah no it looked great and then i love how you know, they're trying to extend their shield and <laughs> Andrea's cracking up right now. I'm still- <laughs> yes. Thank you. Anyway, that was, for you know, that was in somebody's garage and they yeah. were just
0: like, <laughs> they're like, I guess I could bring these in. I mean, my wife's been trying to get rid
1: of them. Yep. It's the middle of June. You yeah. got a box of Christmas lights. Let's donate them to the cause. <laughs> so we've come so far from that. And as yeah. Picard is like, you know what? Transport the shuttle back into the cargo bay or into the shuttle bay. Mm. Um, he he's like, this goes against my better judgment, but you know what? It's a perfectly good shuttle. And I just thought that was really hilarious. And you don't really see Picard cracking jokes ever. So that was nice too.
0: I think it was definitely him like covering for, you know, cause Riker gave him like that kind of churlish little, like, mm -hmm. trying to save Q kind of look. Uh And I love that that was Picard's way of sort of covering himself. He's like, well, we don't need to lose the shuttle. You know, yeah. it's a good shuttle. <laughs> that was pretty perfect. So here's a first in all of Star Trek. Um, we see another Q and it's the first time we see another Q in Star Trek at all. Um, and the other Q, I'm just going to call him Q2, tells our Q that he would be content to let him meet his end with the Calamarine, except for this teeny little selfless act of sacrificing himself to save the Enterprise at the end. And Q2 is like, look, I can't go back to the continuum and tell them you committed the selfless act just before the end. If I do, there's going to be questions and explanations for centuries. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that Q, that actor who played Q2 did mm-hmm. a fantastic job. Like yet another, just sort of like cavalier, like, Oh, I guess, you know, because the Q can't be bothered with like mundane little trivialities. Mm-hmm. This is so beneath them. And here he is having to deal with this and he's just like so annoyed. And I thought that that was so well played. It was delightful. And at one point he kind of throws up his hands and he's like, ah, you know, all right, you got your powers back. And that was kind of that. And I thought, I love that it's not this whole like, swing, swing, you know, like light mm-hmm. thing where he's just like, mm, you got your powers back. And it's just as simple as that.
1: It's really and smart on their on their part, right? Because it's not like Star Wars where you have to see the force. And yes. now you've got to go in and add the CGI and the color and the light and all of that. Yep. Yep. You just simply say your powers are back. And they're just like, oh, yeah, my powers are back. Yes. <laughs> and we all believe
0: it. We didn't need yes. anything. No proof. Yeah, believe absolutely. It. And we believe it because they're so omnipotent. Like they don't even need to do like a fucking light, or light show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't need totally. it. And I love that Q snaps himself into a captain's uniform because that's where he believes he fits (laughs) and immediately snaps the calamarine into his hand. And he's like, if you think I tormented you before, just wait until you see what I can do to you now. And I love that Q2 pops his head back through the bulkhead of the shuttle. And he's like, still watching you Q. And he's like, just, just checking. And then like blows them away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was delightful. And then we so get, we saw he didn't really learn his lesson at all. Not <laughs> even remotely. And if but. he had learned his lesson, would it really have been Q? But then we get my favorite scene of all time for TNG where Q appears on the bridge in full mariachi regalia playing La Paloma, which is a very famous song. And turns out that Delancey had the hardest time with the scene. He had to do multiple, multiple, multiple retakes because apparently it's very difficult to fake playing a trumpet Hmm. and try to like, I guess they had someone playing the trumpet, you know, behind the scenes. And then he was trying to just like kind of match the movements or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I guess he had to do like a million takes because it was really, really hard to do. So Mm -hmm. you never would have known because he brought so much energy to the scene. He snaps some cigars into Picard's and Riker's mouth, and he gives everybody Riker's, else's hand in the on the bridge yep. has a cigar. He, he gives Riker some fantasy women, and then Riker's like, "I don't want your fantasy women." And so then he gives them to Worf, and Worf is like, "Er, like I'm not having it." <laughs> and he, and Picard's like, "Q,
1: for goodness, stop this Q, once. <laughs> yeah, stop, stop, stop." <laughs> and Q's
0: like, "Fine, fine." He's like, "But I'm celebrating. I'm a Q again. We, yeah." Meanwhile, the people on BREL 4 are like, uh, Enterprise, come in. <laughs> red, <laughs> alert, red, alert, red alert, red alert, red alert. We're still we're still worried about this
1: moon. It's like yeah. <laughs> really we can see it now from our windows. So <laughs> it's really Hello? close. Hello. Is anybody there? Why do I hear Na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na. <laughs> I'm sorry. Your call calling <laughs> these <sent a> voicemail. <laughs> <laughs>
0: totally. So Q is finally like. Fine, I'll go. And before he leaves, he wishes to repay a debt to Data for saving him and for keeping him company. And Q is uh Data's like, Q, if your intention is to turn me into a human, you know, don't. And he's like, No, 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 no. I would never put anything that horrible on you. Think of it as like maybe a, a going away present. And then it is the most contagious laughter. Mm-hmm. Data is like clutching his chest and laughing hysterically. And I remember crying tears of laughter as a kid watching that for the first time because laughter for me is super contagious. Mm-hmm. And even last night, I was laughing hysterically watching Data laugh hysterically. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. It was just so lighthearted. And then the, the perfect ending that we needed, the brilliance, Hail the enterprise! And they're like, "You've done it! Thank you!" And then you know they show that the moon is like back in its orbit and back mm-hmm. in circular orbit, which really bothered me because again, the perigee apogee thing, yeah, okay. shouldn't be a perfect circle. <laughs> <laughs> All orbits are like elliptical, but whatever. But everything ends with <laughs> Charisse is like, "Let it go, Andrea." It's true. It's true. No,
1: don't let it go. It's true because they because they clearly had some consultants on the show and they forgot to ask them that part.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. they
1: probably thought, well, yeah, doesn't th- doesn't everything go around in a circle? Nope. They didn't know that. No, nope. it doesn't it actually.
0: doesn't. Anyway, Pierce, that cue as his thank you to Picard, straightened out the moon, and it's everything is all as well that ends well. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was the perfect ending to this, like, hilarious, lighthearted Fun, delightful mm-hmm. episode, Do you and have it was any a final. Thoughts? It was a fun
1: episode and lighthearted, even though it was a really serious episode as well. Because this whole planet's going to be destroyed by this crashing moon, yeah, and then Q is going to get the ship destroyed by the Calmarine. Like, there's all these really serious things, mm-hmm. but it's done in a really lighthearted way, where you don't feel stress at any point in the episode. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of like feel delight and wonder, which is kind of fun. And then at the very end, Picard does some kind of moral of the story thing where he's like. Well, hopefully Q has finally learned his lesson, and then Q appears in the smoke on the cigar, and he's like, yeah. "Don't count on it, ha ha," or whatever. And it disappears, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, "Oh, Q!" Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of
0: like the freeze frame, like the '80s freeze frame, where everybody's totally. like, "Ah," and then totally. all of a sudden credits start running. Mm-hmm. It was it was lovely. I did love that little bit of Q showing up in the cigar when Picard says "engage," and he does the two fingers, and a cigar shows mm-hmm. up in his fingers. Just really lovely, fun moments. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Yeah, this was just, this was a great episode. It was really fun. Um, And I have zero complaints about it. Same, same. Super fun. So nice to continue seeing a seamless, like, A plot and B plot. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, Star Trek doesn't often do comedy. And for good reason, because it doesn't do it well normally. But Mm -hmm. this was a wonderful exception. So memorable. And now it all is downhill from me here for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Much like the, much like the lunar issue. I'm going to just start degrading slowly. Um, no, but no, honestly, no. Though, have... There
1: are so many fantastic episodes in season three. Oh, like, we've got the offspring coming up.
0: People we've got I mean, yesterday's we've got... enterprise. Yes. Yes. We've got best of both worlds Best of both up. worlds. Yeah. Like oh my not gosh. Not to even mention season 4, season 5. I mean, it keeps getting better. This is my favorite hands down and I know that that might raise some eyebrows because the sort of like well-known favorite TNG episode across the board is the Inner Light, which mm-hmm. I do mm-hmm. do really really like that episode mm-hmm. a lot. Um but episode. Q is just my favorite character and this is like the best of Q totally getting his comeuppance and it's delightful and I love it. So I have so much fun with it.
1: Yeah. And the inner light, while a beautiful episode is not a, it's not about the cast and crew. It's not about the crew of the enterprise at
0: all. No. Well, that's not for a few seasons, but next week, (laughs) (laughs) next week, we are talking season three, episode 14, a matter of perspective. I've enjoyed this tremendously. Cherise. Thank you so much for nerding out with me. Yeah, this was super fun. So let's do this all again next week.
1: (laughs) Deal. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.